Hello and welcome to Shashin, a conversation about Japanese photography. I'm Giovanni, your host, and we are podcasting from Tokyo. This podcast is hosted by Fangoradio.com and I'd like to take this time to thank them for the opportunity. I already have another show on Fangoradio.com called HATFCR. It's a monthly selection of electronic, experimental and future hip-hop music. In today's show, which is our first, we are going to talk about this new podcast, why I decided to start it. And then I'll talk about Sujimoto Hiroshi and his work, Zero Feedback, which is my independent publishing project, and we have a chat with Alberto Ferrero, Italian photographer living in Berlin, who has a strong connection with Japan, talking about his work and his new book, Dawn Town. Welcome to our first episode. So, I was chatting with a friend of mine and I was telling her about an exhibition I went to recently in the Museum of Photography in Tokyo. And from her question I realized that probably, except for the big names, really big names, either because of the difficulty of the Japanese language or the lack of easily available information, that there could be an interest in the subject. Not to mention the number of questions I'm always asked about how is the life here in Tokyo? Wherever I am in the world, there is always a great curiosity about the city and the country where I live. My interest in photography, on the other hand, started quite recently. I've been working more seriously on film photography in particular. I'm an art director, so I'm attracted to everything that falls into the category of visual art, but I never had a chance or the desire to delve into it. It's been only a couple of years that I've been shooting more consistently, but still without a clear plan in mind. So I'm more oriented to street photography and urban landscape, and during this activity I realized through the people I met in the last two years, the community of photographers in Tokyo is really large. I don't feel like I want to compare with other cities in the world since I don't have no other experience. But if please let me know if there is a city with such large photography community, let me know because I want to go there. So in Tokyo, there is a huge amount of camera stores, an abundance of places to buy films. And although it's changing a little bit in the last years, that's at least my experience so far. So for example, if I check now on the app that I use to keep track to see which exhibitions are currently on in Tokyo, and I do filter by photography as a category, there's always plenty of exhibitions. So let me check right now. Yeah, exactly. As I was thinking, as today, there is 85 exhibition registered in the app. So potentially there's a lot more. So some are personal exhibitions where the photographer rents space and exhibits his work. There is no curatorship. It's not a museum. But the fact that is right now there are 85 exhibitions must show the movement that exists in Tokyo around photography. I want to specify that I'm talking about quantity and not quality, of course. But regardless of quality or not, 
it's sure that this is an indicator of the extension of this phenomenon. So I told myself that this could be an interesting subject for a podcast. I'm not sure there are other podcasts that are so specific on Japanese photography. Probably there are. I haven't investigated, but this was a need that I felt my own. So here we are. And this is our first episode. So in a few moments, I'll start talking about Hiroshi Sujimoto. And then we will interview Alberto Ferrero from Berlin. Hiroshi Sujimoto is a Japanese photographer whose realistic images of intangible or impossible phenomena challenge the understanding of photography as an objective art form. Long before the advent of Photoshop and digital retouching, Hiroshi Sujimoto had discovered the potential of photography to serve as a work of fiction rather than an accurate representation of reality. If we take his diorama series, he photographed museum dioramas in such a way that they might easily be mistaken for real thing. And he used again, let's call it a trick that he would repeat um, with waxwork figure in portraits. For another series in Praise of Shadows, the, and the name is from the essay by the Japanese novelist Tanizaki Junichiro, and later we talk about this briefly, Sujimoto observed the lives of candles, and basically he let his camera capture the, slow, the slowly burning light over several hours. And the result is a mysterious series of shots. So we can say that the passage of time is an important factor in Tsujimoto photography. Because usually photography, we think it seems to stop time. But in this case, you're always looking um, for project where the, the, he take the photo using capture long time exposure. So basically he's showing the passage of time and not the moment of time. Hiroshi Tsujimoto was born in 1948 in Tokyo. When he was 12 years old, uh, he inherited from his father a Mamiya 6 camera. Uh, Mamiya 6 camera is a medium format 6x6. And basically... At that moment, it's when the, his relationship with the camera began. In that period, he also had another interest that was railway transport modeling. So at that time, he was making basically railways diorama. And in order to make these models, he had to go and take pictures of real railways. So he visited many places to take pictures of steam locomotives. And that's how the photography became his hobby. Then let's keep in time. In 1974, he moved to New York. And uh, in 1976, while he was visiting the city's American Museum of Natural History, 
he was intrigued by the lifelike qualities of the dioramas of animal and people in the museum. So he started photographing exhibit inside Natural History Museum. So Jimoto Photos brought to life extinct creature and prehistoric situation. The photographs took on a sense of authenticity that the museum dioramas themselves did not possess. This is from his words. When I first arrived in New York in 1974, I visited many of the city's tourist sites, one of which was the American Museum on Natural History. I made a curious discovery while looking at the exhibition of animal dioramas. The stuffed animals, positioned before painted backdrops, looked utterly fake. Yet by taking a quick peek with one eye closed, all perspective vanish, and suddenly they look very real. I have found a way to see the world as a camera does. However fake the subject, once photographed, it's as good as real. After the diorama series came the seascapes and the theatres. These two series were conceived between 1976 and 1977 and have continued through the present. In the series theatres, he photographed movie theatre and drive-ins with an exposure the length of the film duration. And again here we go back to the first concept where his interest in photography is to um, capture the passage of time. So basically what's happened when you take a photo that is the length of a movie, you all that appear visible in the photograph was only the luminescent rectangular screen in the center of the theater and the surrounded architectural details brightened by this rectangle, basically. A grain from his word. I'm an habitual self-interlocutor. One evening, while I was taking photographs of the American Museum of Natural History, I had a near hallucinatory vision. My eternal question and answer session leading up to this vision went something like this. Suppose you shoot a whole move in a single frame. The answer, you get a shiny screen. Immediately I began experimenting in order to realize this vision. One afternoon I walk into a cheap cinema in the East Village with a large format camera. As soon as the movie started I fixed the shutter at the wide open aperture. When the movie finished two hours later, I clicked the shutter closed. That evening I developed the film and my vision exploded behind my eyes. In Praise of Shadows, 1998, is a series of photographs based on Gerhard Richter's painting of burning candles. So I want to open and explain what is In Praise of Shadows. In Praise of Shadows is a essay of a Japanese novelist, uh, Tanizaki Junichiro. And it's an essay about aesthetic, and actually Japanese aesthetic. Uh, the essay consists in 16 different sessions that discuss traditional Japanese aesthetic in contrast with the Western aesthetic, let's say. 
So it's a comparison of light with darkness and it's used to contrast Western and Asian culture. The West, in its striving for progress, is presented as continuously searching for light and clarity, while the subtle and subdued forms of Oriental art and literature are seen by Tanizaki to represent an appreciation of the shadow and subtlety. Closely relating to the traditional Japanese concept of sabi. In addition to contrasting light and dark, Tanizaki further considered the lighter tone on the various kinds of shadows and their power to reflect low sheen materials like gold embroidered patina and cloudy crystals. In addition, he distinguished between the values of gleam and shine. The text presents personal reflection on topics as diverse as architecture and its fitting craft. Finishes jade, food, cosmetic and mononoaware, the art of impermanence. Tanizaki explores in close description the use of space in building, lacquerware by candlelight, monastery toilets and women in the dark of a brothel. The essay acts as a classic description of the collision between the shadow of a traditional Japanese interior and the dazzling light of the modern age. So this from the word of um, Tsujimoto. Japanese novelist Junichiro Tanizaki disdained the violent artificial light brought by modern civilization. I too am an anachronist. Rather than live at the cutting edge of the contemporary, I feel more at ease in the absent past. Domesticating fire sure marks humankind's ascendancy over the species. For the last several million years, since we illuminated the night with flame, I decided to record the life of a candle. Late one midsummer night, I threw open the window and invited in the night breeze. Lighting a candle, I also stopped open my camera lens. After several hours of wavering in the breeze, the candle burned out. Severing the dark, I slowly closed the shutter. The candle's life varied on any given night. Short intensely burning nights, long constantly glowing nights, each different, yet equally lovely in its afterglow. Okay, to conclude talking about Hiroshi Sujimoto, uh, I want to read his essay called Second Silent Spring, which appeared in the April 15, 2020 edition of the Yomiuri Shimbun, a Japanese newspaper. I think I've been here before. Empty streets, eerie silence, everyone terrified of an epidemic. Then I realized that what I mistook for a memory of my own is in fact a common memory of humankind. A memory of the plague believed to have wiped out one third of the entire population of Europe. The first explosive outbreak occurred in the 14th century and it recurred intermittently until the late 17th century. The word pandemic dates from that time. I have captured fragments of that collective memory in my photographs. 
At one time I visited the Chamber of Horror in Madame Tussauds, the Wax Museum in London. One of the displays was a recreation of the Great Plague of London. In parallel with photographing waxwork of Henry VIII and Elizabeth I, I took some photographs of the Chamber of Horrors. However, the installation has since closed down. I was moved to see how vividly the memory of the plague has been handed down up until present day, 600 years from when it first struck Europe. Looking through this picture now, I see the plague doctor in a protective mask, fumigating the dead bodies with scented smoke. The corpses were heaped onto dead carts pulled by carters who themselves were often infected on and on the last leg. What struck me was that the doctor's protective mask, consisting of rattan beak and special googles, in a similar shape to a modern-day medical mask. The world is never all bad. In 6065, Cambridge University in the north of London closed to the plague. Isaac Newton, who had just been awarded his degree, retreated to Ulsthorpe Manor his family house in the east of England, to avoid infection. During the year and a half that he spent there, Newton developed many of important theories that would go on to define his life work. The discovery of universal gravitation. Woolsthorpe is where he witnessed the famous apple falling from the tree. Infinitesimal calculus and optics. By passing a thin beams of sunlight through a prism placed in a darkened room on the second floor of the house, he discovered that sunlight, previously thought as white light, could be split into the seven colors of the spectrum. His research into light using optics was a play role in the 19th century discovery of photography. As a modern photographer, I thought that I would like to recreate this experiment from the dawns of optics, so I polished up a glass prism and set in place in my house in the winter of 2004. Ecstatic at the sight of the glowing colors refracted from the light of the sun as it rose on a crisp winter morning, I entered the spectral colors, my camera in my hand. What I wanted to do was to capture not a form, but the colors themselves. The whole experience was a rude reminder that simple things are always the hard to do. It took me 15 years of research before I could create prints that satisfy me. The work are closer to painting than photographs, except that what Mark Rochko tried to express with paint, I tried to express directly with light itself. Paint is a physical substance, and I envision fixing light itself without the mediation of paint. These works were supposed to be unveiled March 2020 at Hiroshi Sujimoto Post Vital, the inaugural exhibition of the renovated Kyoto City Kyosera Museum of Art. The museum, however, remains shut, and the beautifully designed exhibition is just quietly sitting there, seen by no one. While I find some modest consolation in the fact that the catalogue was printed and is available, I still feel a certain affinity with Newton's experience during the plague. In this exhibition, I reflected as an artist on the Japanese view of life and death, and how the Japanese have thought about the afterlife. 
I create a virtual temple for the world today. The gate, however, of my temple remains closed. The world of death is exercising its dominance over our supposedly more real world. The irony leaves me speechless. When plague broke out in the Middle Ages, people believed that God was punishing men. Now, however, God has lost the power to punish. Instead, I see the laws of nature inflicting punishment upon us. Human civilization grows through the exploitation and destruction of the natural environment. As a species, humankind has achieved critically and hit the limits of growth. In a bid to save itself, nature has triggered the automatic correction function, signaling us to rein in our activities. As the entire world practices voluntary restraint, clear water has returned to the canals of Venice, and Kyoto and Florence have recaptured their old charm. I see the world heading in a new direction. We stand at a turning point in civilization where growth consists in not growing anymore. In 1962, Rachel Carson's book Silent Spring sounded the alarm on the way civilization was going. In her frightening prediction, she saw a world in which bird songs would soon vanish because of pesticide and chemical pollution. This spring, while fortunately the birds are still singing, much of the world has sunk into silence. Hiroshi Sujimoto, A Second Silent Spring Translation from Japanese by Jills Murray So, our first guest of the podcast is Alberto Ferrero from Berlin. Hi, everybody. <laughs> and yeah, we are stupid because we are friends, so probably we will laugh a lot and say so many stupid things. And so, as I was saying before in the podcast, the connection with Alberto and Japan is, is the book that he realized two years ago? Yeah, two years ago, 2019. And, and the book is called Don Tokyo. Don't Town. Don't Town, shit. I have to record everything. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. <laughs> I'm a host who would like to prepare himself before. Right, <laughs> okay, downtown, as I was saying. And so, do you want to tell how, when you think about uh, doing this book, why? So, I've been in Japan three times. First time was in 2016, and uh, it's when I got the, I got the first glimpse of Japan. But the first idea that I had to do this book was in 2018, uh, where I also met some locals and I've been, you know, hanging out with them. And uh, I saw this reality, uh, especially in Tokyo, in the in the evenings, in the night, where uh, it kind of triggered me something, and uh, mm. I saw some potentials. I was having so much fun with them and. Um, I came back um, after two weeks in uh, in Berlin, where I live, 
And I was looking at the photos and I really thought, okay, I really felt like some potential. And I said, okay, next year I want to take a sabbatical from my work and uh, be there, I don't know, for some months and mm-hmm. really focus on, on, on shooting and create something out of it. And that's what I did. So in 2019, I went there for two months uh, in spring and I've been hanging out with the uh, same people I met the year before. I met uh, many others, uh, Giovanni included. Yeah. And um, and yeah, initially it was more like um, uh, the willing of documentation of the youth. So in the beginning, I thought, okay, I want to really show like the, the two sides of uh youth and people in Japan, which in the day it looks like in a way and in the night it looks completely different. Yeah. It was funny because um, the day side of, of Japan it was what actually I, uh, I also uh, knew from the first trip and, it's some, and the, the night side is what actually I, I discovered in, in just in the second trip. And I fully lived in the third trip that was actually last year. Yeah, um, so initially it was this documentation and then uh, while being there, I really felt that uh, documenting something uh, in two months and documenting something with what I was experiencing was a little too pretentious. It was not really the direction I wanted to go. Um, so looking at my photos, Afterwards, I really saw that it's, it was the completely opposite of documentation. It was really like a, a showcase of, my, of the mysteries and all of the doubts and uh, of the, the crazy things that are happening in, in Tokyo that I still, you know, <laughs> I, I think many people are questioning themselves. So it's more like a question mark, I'd say. And, um, and then I developed the book in this way. So showing the, the mysteries. Um, as far as uh, you can show about mysteries, you know. Mm-hmm. No, because for me, the interesting thing is when I saw your book, um, it's usually, let's say, when you see photos of photographers who come to Tokyo, like for holiday, but even like three times, four times, five times, it's often you see the stereotypical photos of Tokyo's but I never felt that from your photos for example it's you have a really interesting way of looking at the thing I, I believe mm. so what is your process of shooting because you shoot with film right yes um, thank you I mean I take this as a compliment uh, I actually have a lot of like let's call it cliche photos yeah um it's, 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 it is something that, of course, um, um, I'm, I'm also, you know, going through. I mean, um, I think is is in my experience, is in everybody's experience. You know, we are bombarded by eye stock photos. We are bombarded by um, photos that you see a lot in advertising. And when you when you go around, when you walk around, and you're shooting, you. And you're shooting so in, in the way, it, like I'm shooting like really, um, you know, in, like very fast. So it's mm-hmm. like I, I found myself with a lot of films and you know, there was a lot of cliche photos also in, in there. 
but anyway then there's also like a matter of editing afterwards and then you're know, choosing and then deciding which kind of photo to use um my process of shooting as i said yeah it's uh, at least what i what i did in tokyo it, it was really not thinking too much uh, okay. about compositions just living living the flow living the the life there mm. and having fun with people uh interacting a lot um what i do is trying to take a photo before that the person knows that i'm taking a photo yeah most of the time um and uh, because it's all black and white i i kind of um I also took picture, of course, not of people. So I um, I was looking a lot about shadows and, um, but yeah, let's say like eighty percent of time it was um, people. It was really wanted. I wanted really to shot people. As I said before, I wanted to document in the beginning um, the um, you know the how how the how the contrast of society, especially mm -hmm. from the day and the night. That's also why it's the, the structure of the book is like that. Is uh, if you open like in the western yeah, side, exactly. you have the, the day side. Let's say, which starts with a with a white background cover, and if you open from the Japanese side, uh, it starts with the night, and then in, in the in the middle it intertwines mm -hmm. into uh, into one another. Yeah, did I answer your question? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 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 because. I'm I'm always thinking to especially to some shots that there is in the book. They are pretty amazing actually because um, like now, now the first one that come to my mind is the guy who's I don't know if that is in the book or not. There's a guy who's jumping, there's a mm -hmm. crosswalk and there's one you can see the legs it's of in the, the book. guy. It's in the book, yeah. So Shibuya. why he was jumping? I mean <laughs> it's um it was this euphoria of being in Shibuya and mm. being like, I don't know, with crazy people probably was weekend. I mean, actually every night is the weekend. It felt like yeah. weekend. You know, it was spring, so, you know, summer was coming and um, you really felt like people were, everybody was super happy and super like in good mood. And you find this, these characters, you know, and you just interact and you look at each other and, you, mm -hmm. you know, totally understand about doing something crazy and this guy was jumping and there's this girl looking kind of scared and, and oh and yes yes, and yes. Back. so um, yeah yeah and, and i feel bird. for example <laughs> having lived in japan for more than 10 years for example when i saw the photo of the girl afraid it's such a japanese classical reaction they're always afraid of everything. So sometimes I yeah. wonder who never been to Japan, how they analyze that photo. Mm, mm -hmm. So there's so many level of reading. And, and yeah, it's, it's interesting as well what you were saying about discovering the night, because also for me, maybe the first one, two years, I wasn't really sure how was the nightlife in Tokyo because it was so different compared to the Italian one. Yeah. And then, yeah, because like, you know, we have a different way now. In Italy, we go out, we stay out and drinking with friends until late night. 
and here is like everything shifted earlier because of the train and the people get so wasted <laughs> so wasted jesus christ yeah even in, even in places where you would not uh, imagine right i mean i was living in ikebukuro in a, in a kind of street where you know there's no uh, pubs or bars and you know coming back home uh, I was always seeing people puking like yeah. you know salary man puking all the and I was like where did you come from and <laughs> even here you know, like they probably couldn't reach home um, and they had to puke and that really smashed in the street and yeah I don't know how is in Berlin the nightlife is that well, right now no now, right now I know it, when there was everything insane. was normal <laughs> Berlin nightlife is, uh, you know, Berlin is mostly club um, mecca. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, but you can find everything uh, in the streets. There's really, there's really no no rules. It's um, you can find any type of people from any countries that are doing any kind of things. And of course, as you know, like the clubs uh, are pretty crazy and. Yeah, there are pretty unique things happening there. Um, but yeah, I don't know about actually club scene in in, uh, in Tokyo or in Japan in general. I mean, and I think I've been only in a couple of them. Mm. Um, and I think like where I was hanging out was mostly Shibuya and Shinjuku, yeah. where there were a lot of young people, especially in Shibuya. And... Uh, Let's say that the average, the age here is a little bit more, um, more old. Let's say, let's mm-hmm. say from twenty to twenty-five to I don't know forty, maybe. Yeah, maybe how I see it, I don't know. And I felt that in Shibuya, the really, really teenagers also, like a lot of teenagers. And I don't know if here in Berlin there's places where teenagers gather more. Whatever, I don't really care, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, but, you know, it's, it's nice as a nightlife, but you know, uh, uh, what I really found very comfortable also to, to stay in toys, also mm. how people perceive about getting photographed. Yeah. Um, they, it was it was like you know like uh, interacting with them, and they were happy, and we were just playing together. Mm. This kind of strange game of me being like the the foreigner and and just playing around for a few minutes and for some people I still have some contacts and okay. I found some photos and I'm, I'm, I'm actually sending like the the screenshots of these photos to, to this person and say, hey, is it this actually you? And people are like, yeah, yeah, it's me. <laughs> people, you know, I just saw for one hour or something. Totally forgot mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. So, so you mentioned about how, yeah, it's and it's true, the, in Japan usually Let's say as a personality, they are non-confrontational. So, especially if you're a foreigner, they will probably just try to avoid you, but they will never say anything. How is it in German? Is, it to, is the people get upset? Well, in Germany, I don't know. In Berlin, it's yeah, uh, it's basically. So, in in some areas, it's very difficult to find Germans. Let's okay. say, um, yeah. Mm. 
if you walk on the streets, you you barely hear German speaking. Mm. I mean, um, everybody that comes here is. I mean, I don't realize it anymore. But when I have friends visiting, the many times happens that you know they don't hear German language. Maybe in stores, of course, but in the streets you hear English, French, Italian a lot. Yeah, and other languages. Um, but I mean, I, of course. I can say that it's pretty, but there's also like this uh, amount of Nazi and people that are against um, foreigner. Mm. You can you can feel it, especially in uh, demonstrations. You know, here the for example the first of May, it's it's pretty huge, um, and especially like before than three years ago. Uh, the demonstrations were really intense and they were always ending up with uh, also demonstration from, from Nazis um, and neo-Nazi, let's say, uh, going against, the, the, you know, the other demonstrations and police and then like a big mess. Yeah, and after six, it was very dangerous to be in the streets. Okay. They, they were saying... <laughs> Yeah. Did you happen to meet instead in Japan the the Japanese right wing? I did, yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, I think it was. I was there when there was the the the, the change of emperor. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So um, there were several demonstration um, from the right wing. Mm. Um, so I was hanging out with uh, this guy, also Yoshi. Um, and and the other guys from the Tokyo Street Photographer Club, yeah. club. Um, and one day we were like, yeah, what should we do there today? And we were like, oh, there are some demonstrations in uh, in Shinjuku Station, mm. um, one of the thirty stations, <laughs> and we should go there because you know it's nice. And the guy said, yes, there's also the right wing, and you have to to see it because you know it's pretty peculiar. So we arrived there and there were like, I think, 30 police policemen and yeah. there was left wing, which were less than 30 people <laughs> protesting. And there was like a, a, a black van with, yeah. you know, huge and speakers, huge speakers, which were horrible because yeah. I could not even, I had to, um, you know, I had to, mm. to yeah, yeah, yeah. here because I felt that it was really hurting my, my timpani. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and there were like three, I think. There was this van with three people and there was police trying to, to, to measure the, the loudness of, of the things. <laughs> it was such a weird situation, you know, and Yoshi was uh, translating me what was written there, and, you know, there was the, the war flag. Yeah. Um, yes, but it's, it's pretty different. From yeah, it is, right? Yeah. It felt like not really dangerous, let's say, not really. Mm. It felt like that you can really go there and talk to them and actually ask what they're what they're doing and mm. here i will never do it for example if i see like a group of nazi i will never go there and ask hey guys so what's your motivation here <laughs> i mean they're clear right but yeah you know. yeah so yeah, have you ever felt in danger in japan in the street of japan except oh, when someone slapped you <laughs> 
<laughs> I never felt in danger. No, um, yeah. maybe the, the so the sketches places are Roppongi, yeah. which we spent one we did overnight with uh, the guys, and of course uh, Kabukicho. Yeah, where there's uh, this uh, amazing night where I got like a big slap in my face. <laughs> For something that I actually didn't You didn't do, do, right? Exactly. Katsumi, right? <laughs> Katsumi, our friend Katsumi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so just to explain it, it was... Um, so this guy, is our friend of ours, was taking picture with the flesh on, on two people. Mm-hmm. Me too. Huh? I'm not saying that I was an angel, but yeah, I think he took a picture of this... Um, bouncers outside of clubs in Kabukicho and um, they saw me randomly running around this camera and they basically said oh, we're we'll stop doing these flashes and you know I just got like a big hand in my face mm. and I, you know it was not so nice and yeah. then I was you know, I was a little also drunk you know we drank something it was it was two two in the night two in the morning yeah it was it was something to remember a souvenir so the last question about the book uh, so you say that after you shoot then you change a little bit the idea of the book and so what was the process when you back to Berlin you print all the photos and then you start doing selection simulation yeah so um um, as I said, I started like with this documenting idea, but uh, I was just letting myself uh, like I was not forcing it. So I was mm-hmm. uh, shooting, and whatever was happening, everything that was appealing to me, I was taking photo, and um, and then I realized later that what I actually got was not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So um, I brought I brought with me, because I only shot film, I brought with me some uh, developing kits and, and I was developing. By the way, in Japan, you don't have um, distilled water. This is insane. No, no because there's no need. distilled water anywhere. Because there's if no I, need. There's you can no take need. the tap water. It's not true. <laughs> not true. <laughs> tap water has calc. So how do you iron? The, with the tap water. No. Because there is no... I don't know how to say in English. Calcare. Calcare. Calc. There is so no the calc, calc doesn't affect your iron. Um, not that I know. German not words. that we iron a lot, actually. Though. Yeah, I mean, of course. But... I was desperately looking for because you, know, because you know, like normal water leaves these stains on, on the film. Yeah. So you need to wash the film. By the way, anyway, so such a technical. No, 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 but. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I had to, you know, in two months, I had to develop something to see to, to actually mm. feel that I was doing and that that my films were actually yeah, yeah. working out. And you don't know if your camera just broke, and you're just shooting weird stuff. So, I think I uh, every two weeks I was developing film and see like what the fuck I'm doing you know is the flash working is the camera sensing is you know I'm shooting with a Leica like M6 so it's a pretty old camera I mean very reliable but you never know um, 
so already from these first films, I was like kind of changing my ideas because, like, oh, you know, realizing that probably it's going to another direction. Mm-hmm. And when I came back to Berlin, I had almost a hundred films. Um, yeah, at the at the airport it was so funny. Yeah. The guy checked one by one they took it out from the canister and checked them and put them like in a straight line I was like oh my god it looks so nice and in a straight line it was doing like a very nice composition with the canister um so i i developed everything um and then i i scanned them quickly to just see what the what was there and then i started um you know printing them um small in a small format to to make a selection. I was talking with some friends, with friends from my collective here in Berlin. Um, we were doing, you know, meetings and, you know, discussing about photos. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. It was really, really a good experience because I had such an, a huge amount of, of photos, mm. which I still now don't actually realize how, how big is it. I started now a, a new uh, Instagram account where I... Yeah want to put all the photos also not the one that are not in the book especially the one that are not in the book to have yeah. to give a little more context and i'm really like surprised how many photos i have and uh so we were i think there were around 300 photos uh, they choose one for the book okay and then uh, slowly slowly we were uh, uh, thinking, okay, so if you see this, what do you think? And this, you know, together with these other photos, and you know, because it's nice to do things with with other people because you think something about a photo that another person doesn't see, yeah. so you probably will send like a um, a message which is not what you actually want to send. Mm. Um, you know, there's many things, so many things. Really. It's, you need to do this when when you when you want to show photos. Mm. It's so important, and I didn't. I mean, I knew it was important, but not so much after having learned that. So I decided which photo I wanted, and then I in my lab in my darkroom I printed them in an A4 size, uh, making all the adjustments, making all the um, you know all the the edits. Yeah, and then I scanned them. Um, and then I just did the book. So I've, I've studied, I'm actually, I study as a graphic designer, so I know how to make files, make books and, yeah. um, was in contact with this company in Lithuania, which, um, they followed me and they gave me also some ideas how to, um, how to give this, um, um, let's say design of having the book completely uh, reflected uh, opposite yeah uh, you know like the the, the day and the, and the night yeah yeah that they intertwine in the middle and i found this is nice binding and um they suggested me some things and i you know i told them in the end what i want and then yeah i printed with them and they shipped them to berlin it was it was amazing 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 experience yeah, I, I really learned like... a lot. And, and uh, oh. yeah, please, sorry. And then uh, out of it, I uh, I talked with a gallery in Berlin, um, yeah. and I did the launch of the book in September, twenty second September or twenty, two thousand nineteen, and I also printed 
some pictures, some that were in the book, some not um, big, like uh, 50 by 70, uh, like silver jasmine prints. And then I framed them. And then I, um, yeah, I did this exhibition, was opening, was for one week. Many people came, many people bought the book. It was really amazing experience. So what I want to ask about uh, put the book together is like, did you search, because from the work I know about you, I feel you care a lot about the narration. So I always mm-hmm. feel there's a story. Then I don't know if that is me or you're doing intentionally or not. but And then we will talk about what you did for the Zine Influences with Sean. Also, I, f- I really felt strongly there is a narration. Yeah. So is that intentional? Yeah. It's, uh, it's really intentional. Um, I, I think there are different kinds of type of photos, photos that they uh, really... Um, tells you a story by itself and photos mm. that are very interesting and they are stronger together with other photos. Um, in my book, of course, I want a narration. Um, there's also like a help of some um, uh, poems yeah. from a friend of mine, Juliana. And um, yes, it, it's very important for me uh, because I don't know. I just think that maybe photos by itself without a reason is probably not the way that I'm, mm-hmm. I want to go. Um, yeah, and the zine as well. I mean, the zine is, I think the, the design of the zine is, is so nice and so amazing. You know, it like just the, just the concept of the zine is about communication, right? It's mm-hmm. about dialogue. So yeah, you need to have a narration. Yeah, so of course the book and the zine are two different concepts. Yeah. Um, but as I said, the zine, uh, just for the concept, is, is narration itself, is, is communication, is a dialogue. So I think it's uh, very important. Yeah, because what I felt, and of course, you don't know, but I have all the zine now, almost the 12 zine in front of me. Well, I notice a pattern in each zine, and it's like at the beginning of the scene, there is a kind of shy interaction, and then mm-hmm. somehow the zine, like, like a rose or like a flower yeah at a certain point it's like blossom and it's like wow it's amazing and yeah what, what is so interesting about about this concept is that really i mean i didn't know sean before i mean I never met him in person yeah. and i mean of course we talked afterwards we still talk sometimes and mainly on instagram mm. um you know like when you don't know a person and you just share photos it's like yeah it's like getting to. It's like meeting a person, uh, a person in person. So you, what do you do in the beginning? You just say, oh, "I'm Alberto. Hi. Uh, yeah. No, this is uh, this is my life. I, uh, I have been to Japan, or uh, I'm a photographer. I, I like to eat panettone." <laughs> 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 uh, and and I was thinking, like in the beginning, that if I would do something something similar. To a person that I don't know, I would actually say, I don't know, I, I probably want to introduce you to my family. Yeah, yeah. So a good start of a book about uh, getting, you know, about a dialogue with another person that you don't know, you probably, it's also nice to show a picture of your family. Why not? Because you're showing your life okay. and you kind of break the ice in this way. And then when 
the the first dialogue of a person that you don't know personally um, gets more into into deep you can also talk about life and you know um, things that are happening and you share thoughts and this is this is like i think the blossoming of of what uh, of a dialogue of of a relationship where you go more in deep so in the beginnings uh, it's mm. very interesting what you said this this kind of shy mm. breaking the ice moment and then we're developing in a more um deep and concrete uh, relation mm. no i really felt in modern occasion that that there is like there is an interaction but you feel and then it's like wow my brain is always going somewhere and mm-hmm. so the last question about the zine when did you compile the zine you were talking with sean or you just both you start talking by the foot from the photos with the photos we we just stuck with the photos we mm-hmm. never said oh they're posting no absolutely we, we were communicating of course mm-hmm. but um saying like i don't know oh sorry this week i cannot post the photo hanging there <laughs> something like this yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, about the logistic let's say mm-hmm. not about the content mm-hmm. yeah Yeah, this also is interesting. I I try to talk with the other photographer who we participate to the future zine. And yeah, I feel 90% that no one talk to each other, except mm-hmm. just saying, oh, I post, you can post yours. Yeah. Yeah, Because I think uh, there's nothing to say, right? I mean, you, you already say it with the photo. Yeah, true. Yeah, Very true. It's, it's really, it's really, I told you more than once, it's a really nice concept. Mm. Um, yeah. And I have a beautiful memory here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would actually hear my, I really like it. It's really nice. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, guys, because without you, this project doesn't exist. So I'm so glad. And, the, and I felt, but I don't know that it's true or not. The What I like of the concept is when you are working with another photographer, maybe one photo that you didn't think anything special can get another value because of the other photographer photo. Have you felt that or no? No, I never felt that photo can, can get any value. Mm, no. Oh, it's, it's not. No, no, of course not. Okay. Um, I just, I just, uh, I just thought that every photo I was posting, yeah, um, was empowered by the photo before. Yeah, sorry, you said it in better English, but that was where uh, I was going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, a couple of photos. I think I, I just shot them for the photo before for example the photo of the, the the camera and the banana yeah because i saw the monkey and i was starting thinking well you know the photo of sean of yeah. with the monkey with a with this you know, can this drink yeah. and i was like what is where are monkeys doing uh 
with tourists and with you know they, they probably steal stuff and they probably and what they do monkeys they eat bananas you know this is a stereotypical thing uh, so I was just thinking about being there with a the camera and the monkey steals me a camera and then you just put the banana inside instead of a film. So I was like, yeah, why not shooting that? And Yeah, and it's yeah, one of the files that struck me the most. No, I don't want to say the most because there's several, but... Do you remember I asked you about that photo? I said, why yeah, do you sure. have a photo <laughs> with the banana inside the camera? And yeah. you told me, yes, I shoot specifically for that zine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Alberto. <laughs> so do you, before concluding the interview, do you want to say your Instagram accounts, your website, so that people can come and see your work, buy your book? Yeah. Buy the book. book. <laughs> <laughs> Buy the book. Yeah, the book. Um, I still have some copies, a little bit. <laughs> a few copies I have. Um, you can find the book in my website, which is albertoferrero.de, like Deutschland. Um, and it's uh, downtown. Um, I would be glad if you buy it or visit just... You can just, you know, ask me about questions. So it's nice to answer. It's nice to interact about uh, about everything in general, but also about my book. Uh, my Instagram, if you want to see more things about Japan, uh, what I experienced there, it's uh, downtown Tokyo. Downtown is not like downtown, like uh, the center of the city. It's down like um, the sunrise. Right? Is this yeah, yeah. sunrise? Not sunset, sunrise. Sorry, my English is like, um, yeah. I felt like, you know, living in Germany, I have no good Italian, no good English, no good German. I'm yeah. studying Greek. Tell me about like, it. <laughs> how's your Japanese, by the way? <clears throat> Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, if you want to see more, uh, I will put a lot of content there um, I'm trying to uh, put more content and uh, it's so difficult nowadays with Instagram because I think they change some algorithm and stuff yeah. but it's really difficult to, to be seen uh, whatever no it, it is it is mm. it's how can I say yeah it's so hard to have like impression it's, mm-hmm. especially since when they say they change the algorithm it's like the yeah, uh, yeah. and also i kind of hate instagram and i have a war against it because it's like i think it's the worst possible way of experience a photo yeah it's I great agree. for the connection but it's like the photo really sucks and always yeah, i felt right <laughs> tell me about it i mean i'm like I, I like to print photos, so yeah, <laughs> I like to, to see photos in, in real life. But yeah, anyway, I will I will uh, put more content also yeah. about uh, prints uh, that I will do, and uh, I, will, I did also a lot of videos, um, black and white videos in oh, Tokyo. Yes, I have it. Yeah, they are fun. We have them, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and I will post some stuff, and yeah. Anyway, I'm glad if uh, any, of, any one of you come and check them out. 
Yeah. So I will put all your link somewhere under the podcast. Still, I don't know where I will cool. publish the Thanks. podcast, but I will put all the list so that everyone who want to visit and I recommend you to do it and buy the book and the zine map the book first. And thanks a lot, Alberto. Well, thank you for having me and uh, thanks everybody.